BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, Freckle Tootie fam. Today's episode is with Vanessa Rossetto, who is the co-founder of Kulina Health, which is a personalized nutrition platform powered by registered dietitians to help you prioritize the way you want to live. Um, they make insurance-covered nutrition care accessible and easier to understand so that you can fuel a satisfying and well-balanced life. Yes, I read that off their website because I thought it was actually more helpful to give it to you from the founder's mouth than from my Um, But we dive into Kulina Health as a company in this episode, and I know a few of you messaged me that you actually are clients of theirs and love them, so that's amazing. But we also dive way more into the concept of the like the life of an RD, what it looks like in today's world where people are really quick to just shut anyone down when they're talking about anything that has to do with diet in the sense of, oh, that's diet culture. Um, We both give some pretty hot takes that maybe not everyone is going to love, but that is okay. We are all entitled to our own thoughts and opinions. Um, And we talk about the racial divide that exists within the RD industry and how 81% of registered dietitians are white and how Vanessa is here to break that mold and also hopefully encourage others and create a space that is more accessible and affordable to anyone who is interested in assistance when it comes to their diet. We dive into a lot and I love this episode. This is my first time meeting Vanessa and she is absolutely my type of person. As you can see, we have very similar thoughts on things and different thoughts, but she kind of lays it all out there in a matter that I love where she's like, there's no bullshit. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. You don't have to love me. And I respect the shit out of that. So without further ado, here is Vanessa. Come on in, take a seat. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like we've run in like a circle. Like I I feel like I know a lot of people that know you. And so it just always <laughs> like comes back. <laughs> that always happens with guests that I haven't met yet. Whenever like I have someone on and I share beforehand or like a screenshot or something like, oh, I interviewed this person. I feel like everyone comes out of the woodworks of like, oh my God, I love them. I'm so happy. And there's a lot of crossover. I've already gotten, there are actually a lot of messages from people in the Freckled Foodie family 
who are clients, I guess is the correct word yeah, of yeah. Kulina Health. Cool, so cool. there's good. already a lot of crossover. Cool. And am I pronouncing that correctly? Kulina yeah. Health? Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's dive right in. What yeah. can you explain to our listeners who are not clients of yours, what Kulina Health is and how you founded it? Like what that inspiration was? Yeah. So like Kulina Health is basically a dietitian like in your pocket, right? Like you will have access to an RD whenever you need, you know, using tech, the RD is the product. Like, what does that mean in real life? Like you are trying to lose weight and you go out to dinner with your friends and you want to know what you should have in the menu. Or like, also, Mm -hmm. if you are someone who's maybe like a diabetic and you're out to dinner with your friends and you need to understand how you can have dessert, you can, you know, get on the app and message the RD, but it's, it's definitely like the antithesis of what is out there today, right? Like everybody talks about data and wearable devices and platforms that are all like AI enabled. And so every nutrition platform out there actually doesn't have dietitians at the helm at all. It has like tech bros. And what have they done? They've just taken the personalization out of it. So cool. I have all this data, but if there's nobody translating that data for me, I don't know what to do. And so seemingly we're like smarter, but we're actually like worse off than ever, right? In 1991, the obesity epidemic was 12%. And today it's 42.4%. And 122 million Americans have type two diabetes. So we, yeah, it's totally crazy. So our whole thing is we are using dietitians who are highly trained and highly skilled to help you achieve whatever your wellness goal is. And also we are inclusive and accessible. So everybody can utilize their insurance benefit to come see us. So I have so many questions. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, the, and there, I just want to clarify, these are like real humans because you humans. mentioned it's okay. And what do you just have like a staff of RDs running logistically? I'm wondering like yeah. on the back yeah. end, I'm like, what the yes. fuck does that look like? Yeah, yeah. There are people just 24 seven people. There are people we all accessible. Register- registered dietitians trained in New York city hospitals. We have people in LA, we've got people in Atlanta, we've got people in Boston, we have people everywhere and everything is through telehealth. We do have offices too. So people that want to come in, they can, but you know, now because of COVID and telehealth, we know yep. that you can get a good experience even from your physician via the computer it makes us more efficient. So just open up your computer screen and see your RD. Okay. Now, what is your history relationship like with food? Like what led you to decide this is what you wanted to do? Because obviously I understand people want to become RDs, but you took this to a completely new level of like making it accessible to everyone, but also this 24 seven capability is very different than what we're used to. Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of experience. I'm 43 years old. Becoming a registered dietitian was a second career for me. And I've been doing it for the last like 11 years. And I've worked with many different kinds of people. So like in hospitals with like the sickest of the sick in different areas of nutrition, wellness companies. So that's just like, I've worked with a lot of people and seen a lot of behaviors and seen what really actually works. And so Having somebody in your corner in the short term, all the time, very accessible, 
gives you a lot of confidence and buy-in and you can ask a lot of questions and get a lot of clarity to something that isn't very clear. Nutrition is a very new science. We only started studying it in like 1949. So it's like 75, about 75 years ago, almost. And so every nutrition study, the way that we do them are all bullshit because they're not the gold star. They're not randomized control. They are not, you know, how we present the data. So like every time I see people that are like, intuitive eating is the answer or blah, 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 this answer, like keto is the answer. It's like, yo, bullshit. Call, I'm, let's call the bullshit. That's not true. You know that it's not true. If I deep dive into your, whatever you're saying, I'm gonna poke the hole in it and show you where, what's the rest of that study. Every single intuitive eating study, I've read all of them because I was gonna write a book and then I decided I didn't really feel like doing that because after I did the research, I would also have to write the goddamn book and who wants to do that? <laughs> Says, this is a good start, but you're gonna need some plan after, right? And like every keto is like, hey, like you could do this for a little bit, but you're not supposed to do this for long term. But every intermittent fasting is, yeah, this totally works, but if you just eat a very diet, you'll you'll lose the same amount of weight. So like, okay, but you know, so it's not one size fits all. It's like whatever works for you. And so from my experience, it's you need a you need to talk to somebody who has a lot of knowledge who's gonna help you judgment-free and give you real actionable strategies on how to be successful. That's it. That's what fucking works. And so I, you know, I, in college, I never had anything, any like issues with food. My mom's from a third world country where like, doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. If there's like a big rainstorm, it'll wash away a bridge and you might not have food for three days. So I just ate the food that my mom cooked and I was always thin. And then when I got to college, I gained a bunch of weight because I was like free roaming in the Bronx and I had no idea anything about food, gained 50 pounds, moved back home after college, lost 50 pounds, not trying, just like back to eating my mother's food because I was living in their house and I, my first job out of college made no money. So I couldn't like eat out or anything. And then I was like very curious about how that happened. And so then I went to see a dietitian, Carrie Glassman. She's like pretty well known. She's a really good friend of mine. She's an awesome human. And so like, fuck all the noise there, you know, the culturally competent, like eating disorder, like, no, Carrie Glassman is the OG. She's the best counselor I have ever met in my life next, you know, next to me, but I only know how to be a counselor because of her actually. And it was very pragmatic. It was very culturally competent. She didn't tell me not to eat, you know, rice and beans that I ate every day. She didn't tell me that I couldn't have a glass of wine. She was like, this is how food affects your body. If you want to lose weight, this is how you would do it. That's it. There was nothing weird about it. No food was off limits. No food was bad. It was like, but that was not what the narrative was, you know, back then, 2006, the narrative was like, what's the cleanse? What's this? What's yeah. that? But that wasn't her shit. She wasn't selling any kind of fad thing. It was like, pay me a hundred bucks every time and I'm going to get you where you want to be. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. It's like pretty scientific. I want to do that for people. <laughs> and is that what led you to decide you wanted to, and I'm sorry, what was your first career that you said you left? Marketing. So I you okay. know, I have a master's in marketing. I worked in media, like whatever. And that was just an exercise in like business. And, and that was, that was good. Um, but yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school and be a dietitian. And that's going to be awesome. The thing is, is that like dietitians don't get like super elevated. People don't really understand their worth because there's a lot of confusion in the, in the space in general. Like I want to dive into that. Yeah. Like, you know, you're competing with like Kim K 
and Mark Hyman. It's a little fucking tough. And Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Because nobody gives a shit what I'm eating. They care what Kim K is eating. Like, mm-hmm. What is she doing? <laughs> so I have so many thoughts on this because yeah. growing up, I had a great relationship with food in my opinion, but I do remember obsessively reading. So clearly it wasn't that great. The, uh, like what I ate in like the us weeklies, yeah. the like, why can't I think of any other popular magazine? Like today, but all today. Of, yeah. Like yeah. all of those magazines, it was like what Jennifer Aniston eats in a week, which is also bullshit because Jennifer Aniston is not actually submitting this information. They're just right. somehow like creating this thing. Yeah. But I do remember obsessing over it. And I, I wish I could go back and like figure out why I was obsessing because it never was really changing my behavior. I don't know. I did grow up in a household of a mother who had a severe eating disorder at a younger age and was like still somewhat in recovery during my formative years. Um, but I, I, I don't know, but it's so interesting to me that like, that was such a thing in the nineties, I guess it was. Um, but it's still very existent in today's world where now you open up TikTok and it's what I eat in a day videos. And look, I've done them. Like I've done a, what I eat in a day YouTube. And I have so many opinions on them and so many thoughts now, but I also think that it's really confusing for consumers when everyone is putting out their two cents on what people should be eating and not everyone at all has degrees in this kind of stuff. And this is where I would love your thoughts of like, how do a, we as consumers quiet out the bullshit noise and B for me as a creator, I have really tried to step away from any type of like, this is what you, I mean, I would never say into now, this is what you should be eating, or this food is better than that. Any of that, but any advice you have for creators in space, you might be listening of also how to like stay in your lane because at the end of the day, if you're not registered and you're not educated or licensed in this, it's not your lane. Yeah. So I think like a lot of like what I eat in a day, except for like Jenny Hutt, who I know pretty well, she's just like hilarious. She's just like, this is what I fucking eat. Like she, I believe her when she posts what I eat a day. Everybody else is just a load of fucking bullshit like <laughs> super skinny rd that's like i eat all these cookies and i eat all this pizza I'm like shut up no you don't i know you like half of them i know and i know damn well they count every single calorie and they would never eat that shit but they're, they're all trying to sell you something right everybody's mm-hmm. trying to sell you the holy grail which is do whatever you want eat and drink whatever you want and there is no consequence to that and that's just like not entirely true so that's the first thing you have to think about like what is the goal. If your goal is weight loss, that's okay. That's okay. You can go to a dietitian. And if you do have an eating disorder or disordered eating, a trained professional is going to be able to sniff that out. And an ethical one is going to refer you out. I do it all the time. So like, just because you want to come and see me to lose weight, like we can work on that. That's perfectly fine. And I'm not going to tell you to count calories or macros or any of that crap. So that's the other thing. Everybody thinks like, like I've had people call and be like, I want to lose weight, but I don't think it's the right thing. And I'm like, okay, well, let's keep talking about that. Right. Mm-hmm. But like the, what I eat in a day thing is like, not everything is a thing. So if you want to say like, this is what I ate today, because maybe it's going to give somebody a good idea of like a new meal to try. Like what's the difference between what I ate in a day and like 
look at this. What was the feta cheese with the tomatoes? Oh, around yeah, and yeah, the garlic? yeah, feta pasta. That, that thing was delicious. Like, so I was fucking like, good. So damn good. So like, you know, if you're somebody who's triggered and, you know, and you're looking at somebody who's like, I only ate like, you know, air and laxatives today. Well, okay, we shouldn't be following that, but maybe you're going to get good ideas. If you're bothered by it, then you know, you probably need to stay off the gram and TikTok. Like, I, it's not so that big I of a agree. Deal. I agree with you. However, I will say I'm not triggered by what I eat in a day videos because I'm in a very comfortable space with my body, my relationship with food. I totally get how they can be triggering. The thing that bothers me about them is that every single, not every single one, majority of what I see on social media starts with a clip of the person, excuse me, I had to burp, a clip of the person with their shirt off showing like how fit they are. So like that to me insinuates, if you eat this, you will look like me. And I blame the creator for that because you're consciously putting that first clip in the beginning of the video. Like you're aware of what you're fucking doing. Yeah. And that's what bothers me because you're selling this unattainable thing that is not correlated because if someone eats the exact same meals that you're eating, they're not going to look like you. And we also like coming from a creator, no matter what, you're seeing a snippet of someone's life. Yeah. I can share as much as humanly possible. You're still not seeing all fucking 24 hours of my day. Right. Right. So, but I think, I think it kind of goes yeah. back though to what I said at the beginning, right? It's just like, it's all fucking diet culture. Like it's all yes. bullshit. It's all fake. It's like, you know, if I put what I eat in a day, cause you're curious, cause you want, you want some recipe ideas. I'm definitely not going to show you a picture of my body before I do it. I'm just like, this right. is my breakfast. Oh, look today I had oatmeal and I added chocolate chips. Try that. That's delicious. Or like, right. Like, so you would see it in a different light. So I guess it's like also to the consumers, like consumers discretion. Like if this person, totally. if, if the first thing you see is somebody's like, you know, six pack, like swipe. <laughs> like, I don't want to look at that. Right. I mean, th- you can only control so much because it's coming at us from all sides. Absolutely. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but something you said earlier of like the narrative, we can eat whatever we want and that's not true. So I do think I, I'm curious about this because coming from someone who used to be restrictive and used to care a lot about food. Like I used to, it used to consume so much of my brain space in the like early twenties of my life. So post-college, that's when my relationship with food kind of got fucked. Then I got pregnant. Well, then I got in a better place mentally. Then I got pregnant. That was the true test of like ripping out all of the last claws that diet culture had in me. And then postpartum, as you might relate, like food is the last thing on my mind. It was just like, I, I am literally just eating to survive anything that's in front of me. I will eat because I don't have time to think about it. It's the least of my worries. Interestingly enough, and this is a difficult topic for me to completely dive into, especially in a public manner, because I don't think it's all too relatable in like the common postpartum experience, but I actually lost more weight than I would have wanted to, but also I'm in a place in my body where I'm quite honestly, potentially the thinnest or fittest I've been, but it's the least I've ever cared or put thought into what I'm eating. And that's what confuses me because I feel like I'm finally in a place where I kind of do just eat whatever. And I'm not saying I'm eating McDonald's three times a day, but 
naturally I crave nutritious foods, but I'm also not restricting anything. I'm eating way more carbs than I ever did. Like that's what confuses me because now that I'm in that place, like I would love a dietitian's perspective on this. Yeah. Yeah. So like, look, same. And this, this also happened after I gave birth both times. I like kind of went like very low after, you know, cause like what you're saying, you're just like trying to survive. You're like nursing a baby, you're running around, you're working, you don't have time to like overanalyze all the food that you're eating. And because you're, and like, I was, I nursed both my kids. So like, I'm trying to keep up with this like milk right. supply. So I'm just like doing all the things and like be actually like probably more kind to my body in that time because totally. I'm, I'm you're not like doing all this crazy cardio and lifting and all you know you're not like so hyper focused on all the shit so that was like I don't know I look like the best like right after I gave birth which is like you know miracle of all miracles and so in this situation right like you're still like nourishing yourself right you're still like eating fruits and vegetables you're you're still maybe you're eating pizza and stuff like probably not drinking a ton because like you're so freaking tired and like who wants to be like up tossing and turning from like alcohol and you know you don't have time to like snack and so like there's all of these things right but like the food that you're taking in yeah maybe it has a maybe there are more carbs than normal, but like, whatever, you're expending a lot of energy running after a toddler. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe you're not eating the, you're eating larger meals and not smaller meals in between. So like the variance is like, fine. That's entirely different than I'm going to eat an entire bag of Doritos. I talk about Doritos every podcast because it's my favorite food. And I'm okay. just like hoping they give me a partnership one day. Um, I actually like, gave my son had Doritos for the first time the other day, actually. And he was like, mommy, this is the most delicious damn thing yeah, ever. Fucking loved them. Cool of ranch. Because they have chemicals in them. They are like genetically engineered. They are a perfect food. So like eating. They're engineered things- for us to want more. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, so when you talk about intuitive eating, like the way that food is made in America and like the bliss point, like the food industry is here to make money, to sell food. So they put salt and fat and additives so that you will still want that food. You're never going to tire from eating that food because they need to sell more. So telling people do whatever you want, it's like not the entire truth, right? And so that's where the difference is. Who cares if you have 60% 60% carbs. Who cares? Maybe that's what your body needs. That's totally different than a handle of vodka every week. Right. And, right. And, so, and I think that's where the line is very blurred. I'm not asking you to count all your carbs. I'm asking you though, to like, you should probably eat some vegetables and some fruit and drink some freaking water because, you know, you're probably going to live to be a hundred or maybe even up to 105. And so you want to be as like, you just want to like go to sleep and die. You don't want to be like, you know, having all these ailments and going to the hospital and all this crap. That's number one. Number two, like, like, for example, I have this heart value lab value. That's like a hundred times higher than the normal limit. It's a genetic predisposition for stroke and heart attack. So I should care about my lab values and food will affect not this particular lab value because it's genetic, but all the other lab values that I can control need to be in the right place so that I stand a chance. So what I eat is correlated with that. Yeah. That doesn't make me disordered. That doesn't make me anything. Like I just make sure that there are vegetables every day. I make sure that I'm, you know, eating timed meals. I make sure that I exercise, not because I'm afraid about my weight. I'm afraid I'm, I care about my heart condition, right? I care about making sure that my heart is, 
as well. So I think that you have to really align yourself with like, what are the goals and how can I achieve those goals and not lose my mind? And what are your thoughts on today's world of, I think we went from in the nineties, early two thousands, everyone, you know, diet culture being pushed down our throats of low fat, this like low sugar, this everyone was trying to be the skinniest possible version of themselves. And it was fucking toxic. And I think my generation especially is still recovering from that because it was our very formative years. However, I do think now the pendulum has swung in a sense, not fully, but there's a lot of anti-diet culture. Um, no one wants to say the wrong thing and come off as fat phobic or pushing a narrative of trying to lose weight. And that's where I think it gets confusing. How do you navigate that as an RD? Because there is, I think, a line and there's a difference. But I also think that people are very quick to like jump on anyone providing nutritional advice. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm not for any, for everybody. So I don't give a shit, you know, like <laughs> I, I just don't fucking care. Like, yeah, I'm in the business of helping people feel good about themselves whatever that looks like. I don't know. That's personal. I can't tell you what's right for you. I think though, also we have to think about what is the lens that we have been looking at nutrition and diet. It's from like a rich, thin white woman's lens. That's not just like, not what the world looks like. So like, so now that like all the thin, rich white women have, have acknowledged their eating disorders and are like, you know, in Harper's Bazaar, like writing about it now because they say so, we have to like jump on that and be like, okay, everything is diet culture. Like, fuck off. It's just not real. It's not real, right? Like everybody relax. I say yeah. crazy shit all the time. Everybody relax. No, you know? I mean, like, I love this because I also am that rich, thin white woman, if we're being honest, which like is why I love this conversation. <laughs> It's like, but you know, it, you know, and I say to say like, it's okay if somebody wants to lose weight. It's also okay if you came to me and you were like, hey, I just think my relationship with food is like still a little bit whacked. And I'm like, I'm really trying to just like stay away from that kind of those kinds of behaviors. Like I can help you with that too. So like I said earlier, not everything is a thing. It just depends on like what kind of person you are, but that's why you should go to a registered dietitian because the vast majority of us are properly trained to help you. So it's okay to just come and be honest. Cause I mean, like I had somebody once be like, I need to lose weight. I need your help. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, let's talk. And as she's talking to me, I was like, Hey dude, I cannot help you. And I'm going to say this as gently as humanly possible, but I think you do have some disordered eating. So I want to refer you out to a colleague of mine. So I did refer her out. And the, my colleague was like, no, no, that person has a full-blown eating disorder. I was like, yeah, right. I didn't want to say that shit. Cause like, you know, that's, that's not, that's not the lane that I play in. So I left it for you, but thank you so much. Right. So like, come on guys, not everything is a thing. Don't jump on people down people's throats. Cause they're talking to you about like somebody asked me the other day about like not feeling bloated. Like they went out and they felt bloated and they just wanted to like not feel that way anymore. And I was like, great. So just drink dandelion tea. Oh man, all the fucking DMs that I got. And I was like, I was, I didn't tell the person to like start. What were the DMs? The this just feeds into diet culture. This isn't cool. And I'm like, uh, guys, she said she felt bloated. She didn't feel very good. And she did, she wanted to know what to do drink dandelion tea. It's a diuretic. It's going to make you pee. Like that'll make you feel better. That's all. So I have a, okay. This is a perfect example. 
this is where I think there is a difference in behavior that should be acknowledged. There is, I have struggled with bloat for a very long time. I was so bloated and so wildly uncomfortable that it hit a point where like I couldn't breathe at night. That's what led me to deal with all of my digestive health issues. It was a fucking plethora of problems that I found out. Bloat is really uncomfortable. When you are bloated and you don't want to be bloated, there are things that can help. Dandelion tea being one of them. I don't think that falls into diet culture. What I think people are confused by is that they then like blur that with the concept of an influencer whose entire, I'm just using this like a made up thing, but whose influencer's entire plethora of content is focused on never being bloated. Like do this, do this, do this, do this, and shoving 10,000 things down your throat so that you never get bloated. Like that is clearly maybe an obsession with feeling the thinnest possible. Those are two very fucking different things. And I think that's what gets confused from a consumer's lens, if that makes sense. Um, Totally. And yeah, I mean, I also, you're right. We cannot please everyone. And it's, I'm still working on that desperately. Um, Speaking of not being able to please everyone, you clearly speak your mind, which I love. um, And you're coming at this RD space from not necessarily a different lens, but you're speaking up on topics that many people might like shy away from. What has that been like for you, especially in a primarily white industry? Yeah, it's been like, okay and not okay. Um, in like 20, early 2021, I did an article about how the, the industry is 81% white women. And I got, I got a lot of flack. I even got some flack from the Academy telling me that what I wrote was very triggering as though maybe I was airing out their dirty laundry. I was like, these are, but you're not making up facts. I mean, these are stats that were on their website. It was like really like kind of crazy. Um, you never actually realize how like horribly racist people are until you see it in print. And that was like pretty frightening. Um, I, I, you know, I have to do like double everybody else just yeah. to get a seat at the table all the time. And this profession is like actually like it seems like it's always like a pet project for people. It's not something that anybody thinks can move the needle. Even the even the governing body doesn't protect the license. It's actually rated one of the worst returns on investment because you spend so much money becoming an RD and the amount of money you make a year is probably like laughable. Anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. The academy, our governing body, lets anyone call themselves a nutritionist. And their their answer was, now as an RD, you can call yourself an RD slash nutritionist. I'm like, I won't be doing that. Thanks, guys. Like, But I also don't think that everyone knows that. I don't think that consumers know you can just call yourself a fucking nutritionist if you want. And this is coming from personally, like me laying it all out there. I I was like a certified health coach you know, I did the whole program while I was still working in finance because I was interested in learning more about my own health. Yeah. I health coached for like two years, but I was so clear when I was coaching these people, I am not going to tell you any, like, we're not getting into your diet of specifics. We're not getting into like blood sugar macros, all of, well, actually 
blood sugar, I have a comment on separately, but all of these things, I'm like, that is a registered dietitian's lane. And I don't think enough people are aware of that, like consumers or people who are doing it. So sorry, I will let you continue, but I just want to make that note that I want people to know anyone can say they're a nutritionist. Yeah. And it's like, it's a shame, right? Because then people don't see what the value is. And then, you know, I, I've done a lot of work. I, I like definitely like provoke people. I think like, actually, so do I people feel, yeah. Like, I feel like people feel some kind of way and they don't even know they feel that way, but like, I'm, leading in this space I, I it's like very uncomfortable for me to be like I'm leading in the space but I'm leading in the space right because like own it all you the are. dietitians uh, yeah all the dietitians out there that are like I mean they don't give a fuck because they have to like they have to scrap like you know fight for scraps so they can get noticed because this profession isn't doing what it's supposed to do for you and so my what I care about is giving people access and elevating the profession. I want everybody to be able to see a dietitian so they can have autonomy over their health and wellness. And I want RDs to be seen for the smart people they are. Like the RDs that I know are smart as fuck. They are smarter than doctors. I have one RD who taught me, she was my TA, Tamara Freuman. She, like she works for a physician's practice and they're like, we don't know. We have the physicians are like, we have to ask Tamara because she knows the answers (laughs) over us. Like smart people, right? They are very, very fucking smart and, and they're supportive and they're great and they're wonderful. Right. But everybody has their head down and they're not doing the things to move forward. How do we do it as a collective? They're not thinking about that. So I'm over here thinking, how can I elevate the profession? How can I make it so that everybody can make a hundred thousand dollars a year starting, right? (laughs) Like how, how do we do that? So we raised $5 million in VC funding. And just like that experience alone was so like, also probably pretty like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I, I'm sure. Like, this, is ev- this is everything that I've done. And they're all like, wow, we've seen dietitians before, but they've not been like you, I'm like, yes, in many ways. <laughs> um, but you know, like I worked for a university, that university, I was working for, like I, I was the, dire- the director of their internship. And they didn't value me one bit. I, when I quit, they actually said to me, well, if being a social media star is what's really important to you, then you should go do that. What? Yeah. But literally Cameron, like during COVID, I put that program on my back and made sure all of those girls finished their program, passed their exams. I made sure they all got jobs because I had all the contacts and, and everybody went off. So instead of being like, hey, thanks, that didn't happen. It was just so like, you know, everywhere you go, people are always like trying to cut you down. But honestly, I just want to do good work and help people along the way. I don't, you know, so I'll be over here trying to build a billion dollar business and you guys go sell your supplements if that's what you want to do. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Give a fuck. I die. Um I'm curious. Okay. Well, going back to the article you wrote about the divide in the RD industry and the 81, 81%, is that correct? Yeah. 81%. White woman. Yeah. What does it statistically look like for the RDs that you guys have employed at Kulina Health? It's the same because it doesn't yeah. exist, right? Well, so, yeah. Yeah. Like there's nothing I could do. It's interesting because people will call and they'll be like, we only want to work with a black RD. And you're like, cool, cool. But Tamar and I are 
two people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you want us to work with us, think of all the other people that want to work with us. So it's really tough. So you, what do we do? Well, we are culturally competent. We make sure that we train our RDs for cultural competence, not just color, ethnicity, race, like also socioeconomic, right? Like that's what I was going to say. Yes. That's important as well. We also diversified dietetics, which, um, is run by an RD, Tamara Melton. She's really great. And she is committed to making sure that like black and brown and LGBTQ and everybody who just like, isn't, you know, represented in this field is represented. And they just got clear to have their own dietetic internship. So we have committed to partnering with them to help train the future RDs that come in. So hopefully we'll be getting a new batch of more diverse RDs. When I was at the university, I did make sure that the pool that we brought in was diverse, whatever that looked like. I just, I was like, let me, people were like, wow, me, like you've this is a diverse pool, meaning there were, there were men, there were, there were LGBTQ. They were like, yeah, like I was like, come on. Like if there's who, like I put that out there, I think like going around talking to people, making sure that people felt safe to apply and that they could, they would be seen. Um, but you know, if I excel in science and I'm poor, why would I be a dietitian? Yeah. I could, I could just, I go be a doctor, a nurse, a PA. Right. And I think that's what's kind of, I don't know how to, okay. You, I mean, you said it, you were like, people treat this as like a pet project. And honestly, I think about this all the time with influencing. Look, majority, I don't have a statistic, but I can tell you for damn sure, majority of content creators, influencers are rich white women. And people say that all the time. And it's very obvious why you have to be able to be a creator, to be able to put in the time, to be able to like, take the opportunity to not have a steady income, you have to then have something to fall back on. That's what's fucked up this industry is because the entry level is kind of that need. Obviously there's now becoming a new mold for a creator with the like introduction of TikTok. You can kind of just do whatever. It's not that you need to go on these lavish vacations or do all these clothing hauls. You can enter and just share your life. And it's becoming more accessible in my opinion, but that's the main issue with this industry and why it is so looking the same type of person. Yeah. It, it, I'm going to say something that's like some, they're going to come for me, but I don't care. Is that yes, you're, you're hundred percent right. I had this conversation the other day with an investor and he was basically like, yeah, I see a lot of synergies between therapists and dietitians. And I was like, yeah, a lot of very smart, wealthy women who do this, they get a master's in nutrition and maybe they'll see some clients and it's just, and then they get married and they have kids and maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't. It doesn't really matter, but they have a master's degree. They have a master's degree and they're an RD. Very smart. It's very, very smart. Just that's not what their life's path is. Okay. But if it's this, if we're just the same thing over and over and over again, this is why nobody thinks that we're worth anything. Yeah. And similarly to what you said earlier, this is not attacking all of the white women, myself, who are creators or who are RDs, but the ROI is not, the return on investment is not there. So 
that is narrowing down the pool of people who are able to take the chance. And that's what I think is not acknowledged enough. And like, it's hard for me to get the point across because I, I mean, maybe it's not hard. It's, I'm, it's me. I am the evidence case as an influencer, but people get really upset sometimes when I talk about these things, because we're talking like, they're just like, Whoa, I don't want to talk about race. I'm out of here. Oh. Um, but I, 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 it, I think that it needs to be acknowledged so that hopefully there can be some change like that. In my opinion, is the purpose of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not, I'm not attack, we're not attacking all like rich white people, like whatever, like your life is your life. Like the, if you're, you're able your to reality do, is your reality. You can't change right. it. You can't change it. It's, it is. I think people also probably for you think you're out here having fun and you don't take it seriously. And like, how hard is it really? You just get to like do a podcast and take pictures yeah. all day. And did like, you talk with my trolls? You're saying, yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like you do, like, it's like, you get paid for a brand partnership and like, they don't know yeah. that there's like lawyers and you get raked over the coals and all the people that you pay. And like, they don't realize how actually hard it is just yeah. like they don't actually realize that I am talking to investors all day. None of these people, they're like, oh, whatever. I heard that actually one RD actually said the only reason anyone cares about Vanessa and Tamar is because they're black. And that's what everybody cares about today. And I'm like, you couldn't do what we're doing. You couldn't go and sit and have investors basically berate you for two hours, ask you all kinds of questions, questions about money, numbers, projections, where are you going? You couldn't do it. And then get them to write you checks for $1.5 no. million. How fucking wrong that is. How, because how? also you have to, you're in these rooms working twice as hard. At, like the reality is if you looked different, it would have happened faster. If that's you're being right. honest. That's right. That's like, right. that's right. So that's-, that's bullshit. I'm curious. We've talked about your RD's statistical um, breakdown of race. Yeah. Thank you. I'm like at a loss for my words today. What about your clientele? Clientele. Do you have the statistics? We do. We actually impact people in the highest earning zip codes and people below the poverty line and all the people in between exactly the same. So one of our investors, one of our investors ran the zip codes and they were like, you literally hit, you actually are doing what you say you want to do, which is give people access. So for us right now, it's about the the education, like getting more go-to-market, more understanding the space, which we know the space is fragmented and like highly saturated to get people to know you don't have to use Noom or whatever, you just come to us because we take insurance. Just so th- that's my an, yeah. Go to an RD who takes insurance, guys. You just because you're paying for it doesn't mean it's better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh god, I mean, my therapist, I fucking she's my favorite person in the world, but she doesn't take insurance, and it's goddamn expensive. Oh. And now I'm in too deep where like yeah, I can't get out. You can't get out. I can't. Suck it up. But, suck it up. I have to suck it up. But now everything I do, I'm like, I need to make sure my husband works in insurance. So he hates me because I'm the worst example <laughs> of someone who does everything out of insurance. Like, yeah, he wants, yeah, he's got a lot of thoughts with my doctor's bills. I'll tell you that much. But yeah. that was my next question. How, how I'm assuming the way that you are 
helping so many people under that poverty line is because you're ta- you can be fully covered by their insurance programs. That's right. That's right. So amazing. I love people, people can, like you. And, yeah. Like just use your insurance. And also like, we are good. These RDs are good. They are, they, they're smart as hell. They are trained amazingly. Like just keep it going. Um, I have one specific like health nutrition question that someone submitted that I'm actually curious with as well, because as I said, my eating has kind of been all over the place. And sometimes I realize that I'm like fucking ravenous. And I I think it has to maybe do with blood sugar. Someone asked, what are the best ways to avoid blood sugar spikes? Just eat consistent meals and put, make sure you have protein, (laughs) fat, and carb at every single meal. It's literally, that's the answer because- fat and the protein use the carb and they metabolize together. Right. And so instead of having all these peaks and valleys, just have like these rolling hills. So slows digestion, presumably the carbohydrate that you have is like a complex carbohydrate. So there's a little bit more fiber. So that helps to slow down digestion and slow down that utilization of sugar. And so like, if you really want to understand it, like keep take it a little bit further is that when you eat, high concentrations of sugar, like high carb, more carb than like maybe your your body can take in or whatever. The pancreas has to send insulin out so that you can take the energy into the cell. And what is insulin? Insulin is a storage hormone. So if insulin is always high in the bloodstream, weight will always be high. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So can you give us like an example breakfast just for the listeners to take something home? Yeah. Yeah. So like oatmeal is like the easiest, right? So like oatmeal. I have it every fucking day. Yeah. So, so oatmeal and water, that doesn't really have any protein. So now what do you do? How do you do it? Or you could do it with like, like milk, regular milk. I hate milk so much. Uh, I do too. I, I add in peanut butter. Yeah. You can have peanut butter. There's fat Chia and there's seeds, protein right there. Seeds. So there's fat right there and fiber. And so now the digestion is really slow. And you then could, I do blueberries. Yep. And so then you more fiber, more slowed down digestion. So that's perfect okay, example. Perfect. Or you could do, you could also do like a, like a piece of toast and eggs. So you have like mm-hmm. fiber and carb from the toast and then you have fat and protein from the egg. It's actually so interesting because now that I'm feeding my son whole foods, I'm paying so much more attention to this concept because he can't speak to me yet. Right. So I'm yeah. like, I want to make sure that he's not freaking out starving in 30 minutes after he eats. So I'm not just going to give him a bowl of fruit alone. And it's yeah. the first time I've really thought in a complex way, like, okay, how do I have protein, fat and carbs? And what I'm feeding him, I mean, it stresses me the fuck out, but we're getting there. And it's really eye-opening for me to experience in that lens rather than an obsessive, what am I eating for the wrong purposes lens? Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Like, so my kids, cause they're eight and 10. So obviously we've, t- we've taken time to get here, but we talk about how they have to have a protein at every single meal so that they can be full for longer. Right. So that just, it just like takes the charge away. So it's like, that's fine. You can eat chips. I don't give a shit. You can have candy. And like, they, they eat those things, but they understand like, oh, I'm going to have cereal for breakfast. My daughter's like, I'm going to have cereal. This is like so gross. She has like chocolate Kashi cereal. And then she's like, can you make me an egg so I can have protein? So she can have her protein. <laughs> she's like, well, 
That's like me okay. sometimes if I'm craving like a crisp, crunchy salad. Like sometimes on really hot days, I just want like a really crunchy yeah. romaine salad. Yeah. But I usually am not like making protein for lunch. So I'm yeah. like, I got to have my chomps, like a beef yeah. stick or something. Because otherwise yep. I'm going to be ravenous. And I want to bring this full circle to close and shit on myself for a second. This concept of blood sugar spikes. I am the prime example of like past the past version of me playing into things, you know, living in diet culture land, doing things that were outside of my lane. I was approached by a big publisher that I was freelance writing for, and I was writing articles on barf whole 30 diet. And they asked me to write one specifically. They were like, can you write a meal plan to balance your blood sugar? And I remember responding being like, that's not really what I did. Like, I don't, know that information from like an educational standpoint, but they really wanted me to write it. And I was like, well, I really want to be published by them and keep this relationship. So I fucking did. I had no idea what the goddamn shit I was writing. Like that is the issue. And that right there is our full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like people don't realize, right? Like I, I took biochem and anatomy and physiology and organic, organic chemistry. And like, so you know, I understand what happened. You no know shit. Put, when you put the food you, in your I mouth. Yeah. We failed biology. It's just, it's just like funny. Cause you know, people just don't realize all that we do and it's a shame, but you know, you got to blame, you got to blame the, the Academy. I blame the governing body. Like that's their job and they don't do it well. So we have to do it ourselves. Yeah. And so, you know, talking, talking to the talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love what you're doing. I'm so happy that we connected I love what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Thank good. you so much. So um, for people who want more of you and want to support you, where's the best place to send them? Uh, they can go to kalinahealth.com or they can find me on social Vanessa Rosetto RD. Okay. Everything will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, cool. Vanessa. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Good to see you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I love doing this more than anything in the world. If you could be so kind as to rate and or review the show, share a screenshot on your Instagram story, whatever you feel like doing to show some love, I would really appreciate it. Obviously follow at Pod on Instagram and me at Freckled Foodie for more content. Thank you for being a part of the FF fam and I hope you have a wonderful day.